Celebrate love with the Valentine's Day sale at K. Shop February 3rd through the 14th to save 25 to 40% on everything. That's 40% off gold jewelry, 30% off fashion styles, and 25% off engagement, wedding, and anniversary rings. Give a gift that means more without spending more. And celebrate every kiss with K. Select collections, watches, and other exclusions apply. Visit k.com slash Valentine's Day for details. Hey, thanks for listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm your host, the Kentucky Guy. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the elites. We're going to talk about the Committee of 300, the Roman Club, Rockefellers, Rothschilds, all these people who developed in our history who are a part of and still a part of the influential group of the 1%, the elite. I really hope that you enjoy this special report on the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Aha! And welcome to Red Pill Current News Podcast. I am the truth seeker, your beacon of truth, award-winning host, the Kentucky Guy. Hope everybody's having a fantastic day today. We are doing a follow-up on a special report that we've done a while back and just never got back to it. And if this is your first time listening to us, we are on all major platforms. Be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. Including Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and the list goes on. Be sure to check us out. Also, we do drop new episodes here every Wednesday and Saturday, or someday close to that. (laughs) Sometimes with editing and everything, we do run a little bit over. And also, for you sports fans, I do co-host the Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With Donnie Cage. We drop new episodes there every Monday and Friday. We talk about pro wrestling, past, present, and future. If you'd ever like to be a guest on this show, you can always email me at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. So, let's go. Let's get into it. The first thing I want to do, though, is let's talk a little bit Real quick before we get into this, I, I want to give a couple updates. First of all, the Republican House, GOP House of Representatives has booted, they have voted and booted Elaine Omar off of the Committee of Foreign Affairs. And that is huge and that's a big deal. She has made anti-Semitic comments toward, toward Israel and and Jews in general, and she is just, uh, you know, she's out of Minnesota. I have watched her own constituents, her own constituents, boo her off a stage at a concert, saying that she does not, does not represent them. So, But what I want to get to right now, in this whole purpose of this special report, is I want to get back to talking about the elite, because sometimes you got to go, in the past to see where the present and the future is. 
if that makes any sense. And that's, uh, that's exactly where we're at right now. So let's go ahead and get started in today's special report. All right. So first thing is, I want all of you, everyone listening to understand, first of all, this is your first time listening or it's been a while. Let me make sure I put this painfully clear. Don't take my word or anybody else's word for anything. Do your own research. Okay. Do your own research. I can give it to you, but I'm not telling you to take heed to it or change your mind to it until you do your own studying and your own research. I didn't, I don't do that. I couldn't do this by myself. I've got some good people that help me. So, but I need you do not take anybody's word for anything. That's the only way you're going to wake up. So I want everybody to understand that the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations, the uh, Trilateral Commission, the Institute for Policy Studies, the Roundtables, the Club of Rome, uh, Club 300, etc. They're all bound by a common denominator of long-standing family ties and interests and come together as a single policy-making body. And now that's known as Committee of 300. This has also been known as the Olympians and the Policy Committee. Don't be misled by labels such as uh, the Rockefellers, Rothschild, for those are simply the families who have the mechanisms of control already set in place, of themselves are not the entire network, that being the Committee of 300. It is they who control the UN, United Nations, who tells who tell the heads of nations when to jump and how high. They who are behind the world's elite drug trade via the CIA and the old British East India links they are who manage the IMF. They set policy at GATT conferences. It is they who are the, shat, the true shadow government. It is they who manage the CIA, NSA, DIA, the same group that took out JFK and have murdered around 173 people in their efforts to suppress the truth about all the links they who were behind. They were also behind the assassination of RFK, MLK. They who are behind the suppression of truth regarding the MIAs. It is the same group behind E. Howard Hunt, John Singh, and if you don't know these names, look them up, do your research. Ollie North, very same group who brought down Richard Nixon and Watergate. The same group behind the persecution of the Christian, Christian, Institute, the same people who were behind the Nugent hand, the same group that groomed Jimmy Carter for the presidency, the same group who are the military-industrial complex, the same group behind the total militarization, militarization of NASA, this is the same group who are the MJ-12, who were behind the Jason group, the same behind Project Blue Book, the condom committee, the same who started up the NSA, who are responsible for the murder of Danny Castellore, the same group responsible for the worldwide disinformation campaign regarding 
the truth of UFO sightings and contacts. The very same group who owed the media, the Washington Post, NBC, ABC, CBS, the New York Times, etc. The same group behind the Warner Commission Ad Museum. It's all the same group, folks. Many American conservatives believe as a matter of faith that the Rockefellers and the Council on Foreign Relations exercise absolute control over the government and the people of the U.S. This thesis can be accepted as a working formula if, it, if one remains conscious of the larger issue. The larger issue. Two writers for whom the present writer, E.M., has great respect, Dr. Emmanuel Josephson and Morris Bella, insisted on focusing on the Rockefellers and excluding all other aspects of the world order. This severely limited the effect of their otherwise groundbreaking work on the medical monopoly. This writer advanced a contrary view in the world order, fixing upon the Rothschild monetary power, which reached a point of world control by 1885. See, folks, this isn't new stuff. It's just you're waking up and you're seeing the plan starting to come together. They've been planning this for years. And it's London Policy Group, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. As the policymakers for what has essentially been since 1900, a reestablished colonial government functions primarily through the Council on Foreign Relations, but only as a subsidiary of the RIIA and through the Rockefeller Foundation, which controls government functions and educational establishment, the media, the religious and state legislators. So it is it is true that the American co- colonials have free election in which they have the absolute right to vote for one of two opposing candidates, but of whom had been handpicked and financed by the Rockefeller syndicate. This touching evidence of democracy serves to convince most Americans that you are indeed a free people. You even have a crack Liberty Bell in Philadelphia to prove it. American youths have been free since 1900 to be marched off to die in Heligan Wars in which both combatants receive their instructions from the world order. You are free to invest in a stock market in which the daily quantity, price, and value of the monetary unit is manipulated and controlled by a Federal Reserve System, which is answerable only to the Bank of England. Right. Did you guys know that? Did you guys realize that our Federal Reserve is not a part of our, it's not a government uh, agency? It's not a part of our government? It's independent, owned by the Bank of England? I don't think a lot of people knew that. It has maintained its vault in independence, oh, here we go, from our government control. But this is only the only independence it has ever had. So the realization that you do indeed live under the dictates of the Rockefeller syndicate can well be the starting point of a long road back of a genuine struggle for American independence in exposing the Rockefellers as agents of foreign power, which is not merely a foreign power but a genuine world government, 
you must realize that it is not merely a group dedicated to making money, but a group which is committed to maintaining the power of the colonial form of government over the American people. Thus, the ancient colony of John D. Rockefeller, as a man obsessed by greed, uh, by greed, a category in which he has plenty of company, obscures the fact that from the day the Rothschilds began to finance his march towards a total oil monopoly in the United States from their coffers uh, at the National City Bank of Cleveland, Rockefeller was never an independent power, nor does any department of the Rockefeller syndicate operate as an independent power. You know that the Casa Notra and Mafia, uh, with which the syndicate is closely aligned, has somewhat autonomous power in the regions which have been assigned to that particular family by the national directors. But this always implies that the family remains under total control and answerable for everything which occurs in its territory. You see how far this goes back and you see why these guys think that they're untouchable? Even though they're they're really, really, really only 1% of our population. But they feel like they're untouchable because they've been getting away with it and doing this for so long. Similarly, the Rockefeller Syndicate operates under a clearly defined spheres of influence. The charitable organization, the business companies, and the policy groups always milled into a working operation, nor can any department of the syndicate strike out on its own or formulate an independent policy, no matter what may be its justification. The Rockefeller Syndicate operates under the control of the world finance structure, which means that on any given day, all of its assets could be rendered close to worthless by a divorce financial manipulation. This is the final control, which ensures that no one can quit the organization. Not only would he be stripped of all assets, assets, but he would be under contract for immediate assassination. The Department of Justice is well aware that the only terrorists operating in the United States are the agents of the world order, but they prudently avoid any mention of this fact. The world financial structure, far from being an unknown or hidden organization, is actually well-known and well-defined. It consists of the major Swiss bank, the survivors of the old Vietnamese uh, genesis flanking access, the big five of the world gain, of the world gain trade, the British combined, centered in the Bank of England and its charter, merchant banks functioning through the Rothschilds and the Open Hammers and having absolute control over their Canadian colony through the Royal Bank of Canada and the Bank of Montreal, their Canadian lunatics being the Braun Farms, Bells Beggars, Reichsmans, and other financial operators and the colonial banking structure in the U.S. controlled by the Bank of England through the Federal Reserve System, the Boston, Bahama families, who we've talked about before, who made their fortunes in the opium trade, including the Delanos and the others, and the Rockefeller Bank, Chase Manhattan Bank, American Express, 
the present form of the old Rothschild representatives in the U.S., which includes Kuhn, Leoby Company, Lehman Brothers, and the Lehman Brothers. Well, that's a mouthful. Man, oh man. And I know that's a lot to take in, but there's a lot to this. A lot to this. It is notable that the Rockefeller Syndicate is far down on the list of the world's financial structure. Why then is it of such importance? Although it is not crucial factor in the financial decision in the Western Hemisphere. It is the actual working control mechanism of the American colony. The Rockefeller family themselves, like the Morgans, Schiffs, and Warburgs, have faded into insignificance, but the mechanism created in their name roars along at full power, still maintaining all of the functions for which it was organized. Since he set up the uh, Trilateral Commission, David Rockefeller, has functioned as a sort of international carrier for the world, for the world order, principally concerning with delivering working instructions to the communists, blocked either directly in New York or by traveling to the area. Lawrence Rockefeller is the active in the operation of medical monopoly, but his principal interests are in operating various vacation spas in tropical areas, they are the two survivors of the uh, Fortitude Five, the five sons of John D. Rockefeller Jr. and Abby Alrich. J.D. Rockefeller Jr. died in an institution in Tucson, Arizona, and was hastily cremated. John D. Rockefeller III died in a mysterious accident on a New York parkway near his home. Nelson Rockefeller, named after his grandfather, died in the arms of a TV journalist. It was later revealed that he also been in the arms of another TV journalist at the same time. The death was hushed up for many hours. It was generally believed that he can afoul of his Colombian drug connection. The disagreement hardly uh, began trivial. It involved several billions of dollars in drug profits, which had not been properly appropriated. Winthrop Rockefeller died an alcoholic in the arms of his black boyfriend. He had been interviewed on a television by Harry Rosener to explain his hasty move from New York to Arkansas. Winthrop learned that his black boyfriend, an army sergeant who apparently taught him the the mysteries of drill, refused to live in New York. To celebrate this alliance, Winthrop Rockefeller gave his magnificently to Negro causes, including the Urban League building on East 48th Street in New York. A plaque on the second floor notes that it was a gift. It might it might well have said from Hadrican to Autonomous. Huh. And by the way, I was reading that. This is this is all research taken from different places. So when I, yeah, so I just want to let you know, I just, I'm just reading this. Not my word. Uh, I did put it together though, from all sorts of different research and, and different members of the team. Okay. So first of all, I don't want to imply, and I want to make this clear that the Rockefellers no longer have influence, but the major, the major policy dictates of the Rockefeller syndicate are handed down by the other caps of 
whom they continue to be visible for through the person of David Rockefeller. The family is sometimes called the first family of the Soviet Union. Only he and Dr. Ahmed Hammer, the moving force behind USTEC, has permanent permission to land their private planes at the Moscow airport. Others would suffer the fate of the KAL-007. David Rockefeller's most significant trip to the Soviet Union may have been the fateful day when he landed in Moscow, having been told to inform Khrushchev that he was through. The Russians are very health-conscious, and a scientist uh, had sent information to Khrushchev that the use of chemical fertilizers in the Soviet Union presented a threat to the people. Khrushchev then announced a major change in the Soviet foreign policy, centering around a reduction in the use of chemicals. This was upsetting to the head of the world's chemical fertilizer trust, David Rockefeller, Rockefeller, and he responded with a tense one-word command, out. Both the Rockefeller family, fortune, and the considerable portion set aside in the foundations of the Rockefeller syndicate are effectively insulated against any type of government control. Fortune magazine noted in August of 1986 that John D. Rockefeller Jr. had created trusts in 1934 which now amount to some $2.3 billion. Another $200 million had been set aside for the Abbey Rockefeller branch. The five sons had trusts, which 1986 amounted to $2.1 billion. These trusts had originally amounted to only $50 million each, showing the increase in their assets as well. Inflation during the ensuring half-century. Fortune estimated the 1986 total Rockefeller worth as $3.5 billion, of which $900 million was in securities and real estate. They owned 45% of the Time Life building. Nelson Rockefeller International Basic Economy Corporation had been sold to a British company in 1980. For years, the Rockefeller family had deliberately kept the rents low in its major holdings, Rockefeller Center, a $1.6 billion investment yielding an annual return of 1%. This was a convenient maneuver for tax purposes and a good one at that. Much of the Rockefeller wealth might be attributed to old John D's rhapsody and ruthlessness. Its origins are undoubtedly based in its initial financing from the National City Bank of Cleveland which was identified in congressional reports as one of the three Rothschild banks in the United States, and by his later acceptance of the guidance of Jacob Scaff of Cahoon Loeb Company, who had been born in the Rothschild house in Frankfurt and now was the principal Rothschild representative, but unknown as such to the public in the United States. Will, with the seed, Money from the National City Bank in Cleveland, old John D. Rockefeller soon laid claim to the title of the most ruthless American. It is more than likely that this was the quality which he pursued the Rothschilds to back him. Rockefeller realized early in the game 
that the oil refinery business would, which could offer great profits in a short time, also was at the mercy of an uncontrolled competition. His solution was simple. One crush, all, comp- all competition. The famous Rockefeller uh, dedication to total monopoly was simply a business decision. Rockefeller embarked on a campaign of coercing all competing oil refineries out of business. He attacked on a number of fronts, which is also a lesson to all would-be entrepreneurs. First, he would send a minion not not known to be working for the Rockefeller with an offer to buy the competing refinery for a low price, but offering cash. If the offer was refused, the competitor would then come back, come under attack, from a competing refinery, which greatly undercut his prices. He might also suffer a sudden strike at his refinery, which would force him to shut down. Control over the labor through the unions has always been a basic Rockefeller technique. Like the Soviet Union, they seldom have labor trouble. If these techniques failed, Rockefeller would then be saddened by a reluctant decision to use violence, beating the rival workers, as they went to and from their jobs, or burning or blowing up the competing refinery. These techniques convinced the Rothschilds that they had found their man. They sent out a proposal, a personal representative, Jacob Schiff, to Cleveland to help Rockefeller plan further expansion. At this time, the Rockefellers controlled 95% of all railroad mileage in the United States through the J.P. Morgan Company and Coolis Lab Company, according to official Department of Commerce figures for the year 1895. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Yes, yes, they are. He was, John D. Rockefeller was ruthless, and he did a lot of bad things. But he's smart, too, though, right? I mean, kind of. he he got to be a little bit smart. 95% of all railroad uh, mileage. 95%. Think about that. Wow. And then, you know, these are still names that we still hear today as well, like J.P. Morgan. He mentions in his Who's Who listing that he controlled 50,000 miles of the U.S. railways. Schiff worked out an elaborate rebate deal for Rockefeller through a dummy corporation, South Improvement Company. These rebates ensured that no other oil company could survive in competition with the Rockefeller firm. The scheme was later exposed, but by that time, Rockefeller had achieved a virtual monopoly of the oil business in the U.S. The daughter of one of his victims, Ida Tarbell, whose father was ruined by Rockefeller's criminal operations, wrote the first major expose of the Standard Oil Trust. She was promptly denounced as a muck muckracker by the by the poser theodore roosevelt who claimed to be a trust buster in fact he ensured the dominance of the standard oil trust and other giant trusts during the next half century john d rockefeller was routinely routinely captured by socialist propagandists as the epitome of ruthless capitalists at the same time he was the principal financier of the world communist movement through a firm called American International Company. Despite the fact 
that the House of Rothschild had already achieved world control, the Second and the Fury was directed exclusively against its two principal representatives, John D. Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan. One of the few revelations of the actual state of affairs appeared in the Truth magazine on December 16, 1912, which pointed out that Mr. Sheff is the head of the great private banking house of Kuan Lab Company. I knew, yeah, so make sure that you understand that these names are all attached to the greatest pharmaceutical firms in the world, even into your very, our very own vitamin supplement business, which represents the Rothschild interests on your side of the Atlantic. He is described, he is described as a financial strategist and has been for years, for years, the financial minister of the great and personal power known as Standard Oil, noted that the name of Rockefeller was not mentioned in this quote at all. So if that makes sense, if you're following along, basically, the real mention in that article was J.P. Morgan and Rothschild. Kind of odd that they didn't mention the main person in the oil, Standard Oil, the owner of Standard Oil, Rockefeller. Kind of odd, right? Well, it gets a little bit odder. Because of these concealed factors, it was relatively simple matter for the American public to accept the fact that the Rockefellers were the permanent power in your country. This myth was actually clothed in the appeal of power, the Rockefeller Oil Trust becoming the military-industrial complex, which assumed political control of the nation. The Rockefeller Medical Monopoly attendant control of the health care of the nation and the Rockefeller Foundation, a web of affiliate tax-exempt creations, effectively controlled the religious and educational life of the nation. This myth succeeded in its goal of camouflaging the hitting rulers of the Rothschild. After Eunice Mullins and a few others had been exposing this charade, for some 25 years, a new myth began to be noised about in American conservative circles, effectively propagated by active double agents. This myth found a host of eager believers because it uh, hardlit a growing crack in the monolithic power which had been oppressing all the peoples of the world. This new revelation was that a struggle to the death or world power had developed between the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. According to the startling development, one faction or the other, depending on which agent you were listening to, had gained control of the Soviet Union and would use its power as the basis for achieving the overthrow of the other faction. The sudden death of several members of the Rockefeller family was cited as proof that such a struggle was taking place. Although no Rothschild is known to have succumbed during this war, this ignored the general understanding that Nelson Rockefeller had been eliminated as a result of losing deposit slips for several billion dollars of drugs from the Colombian cartel, or that the other Rockefeller deaths showed no trace of a Rothschild connection. Having maintained extensive files, 
on this situation for several decades, the writer could not believe anyone could be so misinformed as to think that the Rockefellers were now trying to seize power from the Rothschilds at a time when the influence of members of the Rockefeller family was already in great decline. Their family finances being handled by John J. McCloy and, uh, and other faithful retainers, none of the retainers would have been willing to engage in a genuine power struggle as they were faceless managers who lived only for their weekly paychecks. They had no ambitions of their own. Nevertheless, many hopeful Americans grasped at the will-o'-wisp motion that the Rockefellers were now good Americans who were willing to risk all to overthrow the Rothschilds. Amazingly enough, this story persists for almost a decade before being uh, relegated to the curiosities of history. Like J.P. Morgan, who had begun his commercial career by selling the U.S. Army some defective guns, famous Hall Carbine Affair, John D. Rockefeller, who was also known as a war profiteer during the Civil War, he sold unstamped Harkness liquor to federal troops at a high profit, gaining the initial capital to embark on his drive for monopoly. His interest in oil business was a natural one. His father, William Rockefeller, had been in oil for years. William Rockefeller had become an oil entrepreneur after salt wells at the uh, Tantrum near Pittsburgh were discovered in 1842 to be flowing with oil. The owners of the wells, Samuel L. Keir, began to bottle the oil and sell it for mechanical purposes. One of the earliest wholesalers was William Rockefeller. The medicine was originally labeled Harry's Magic Oil. Rockefeller printed his own labels using rock oil or Seneca oil being the name of a well-known Indian tribe. Rockefeller archived his greatest notary and his greatest profits by advertising himself as William Rockefeller, the celebrated cancer specialist. It is unsustainable that his grandsons would become the controlling power behind the scenes of the world's most famous cancer treatment center and would direct government funds and charitable contributions to those areas which only benefit the family medical monopoly. William Rothschild spared no claim in his flamboyant career. He guaranteed all cases of cancer cured unless they are too far gone. Such were the healing powers that he attributed to his magical cancer cure that he was able to retail it for $25 a bottle, a sum they equivalented to two months' wages. The cure consisted of a few well-known diuretics which had been diluted by water. This carnival medicine, Showbarker, could hardly have envisioned that his descendants would control the greatest and most profitable medical monopoly in recorded history. And, boy, the... Uh, Fruit doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? Man, they're all crooks. They're all crooks. They're all billionaire crooks. As in, as an itinerant carny, a traveling carnival peddler, William Rockefeller had chosen a career which interfere, interfered with developing a stable family life. 
His son, John, rarely saw him, a circumstance which has inspired some physical physiological analysis to conjunct that the absence of a father figure or parental love may have contributed to John D. Rockefeller's substance development as a money-mad tyrant who plotted to maim, poison, and kill millions of his fellow Americans during almost a century of his monopolistic operations and whose influence reaching up from the grave remains the most dire and malignant presence in American life. This may have been a contributing factor. However, it's also possible that he was totally evil. <laughs> it is hardly arguable that he is probably one of the most satanic figures in America history. Evil being defined as anything that moves spiritual aspects of beingness away from God as influenced through another. It has long been a truesome that you can find a horse thief or two in any prominent American family. In the Rockefeller family, it is more than true that in the case of William, who seemed to have faithfully followed the precepts of the will of Khan throughout his career, love robbery, love lecherecy, and fleeted from a number of incidents from horse stealing, and you know how serious that is, finally disappearing altogether as William and William and Rockefeller and magically re-emerging as a Dr. William Levingston of Philadelphia, a name which he retained for the rest of his life. An investigative reporter at Joseph Pulitzer, New York, World received a tip that was followed up. The World then disclosed that William Avery Rockefeller had died in May 11, 1906, in the Freeport, Illinois, where he was uh, entered in an unmarked grave as Dr. William Levinson. Wow. Shows you how far crime don't pay, folks. This guy dead. Wow. So William Rockefeller's vacation as a medicine man greatly facilitated his preferred profession of horse thief. As one who planned to be in the next country by morning, it was a simple matter of a simple matter to tie a handsome stallion to the back of his wagon and head for the open road. It also played a large part in his vocation as a woman chaser. He was described as being a woman, as woman mad. Yeah. So I think, I think that's about all the time we do have for this episode. We'll, we'll come back to William Rockefeller soon and finish his story out. Uh, like I said, we're going to go over each one of these people. I want you guys to see where these people came from, why it's important, how it ties to our current three-letter agencies like the CIA, the FBI, and so forth, and how it how it coexists with exactly what you're seeing unfolding in the world today. And I'm going to show that. I'm going to show that. And some of you have already seen it, I know, kept up to date with these special reports. But, yeah, so you're going to hear more names that sound familiar as we go on, like Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to hear that name a lot. Sure, you all know who that is. Evil. Uh, people who you thought, who you were taught in school and raised to think that were bad, weren't so bad. They were set up like, oh, I don't know, Richard Nixon. Perfect example. Who had an election stolen from him and was set up. 
you know what? We're gonna do we're gonna do an episode on Richard Nixon to show you guys what I mean because it's better if I talk about it with the proof in front of me. That way you can go research it and see it for yourself. So, all right, folks. So you've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. And I've been your grateful host, the Kentucky guy. As always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you so much for listening. Celebrate love with the Valentine's Day sale at K. Shop February 3rd through the 14th to save 25 to 40% on everything. That's 40% off gold jewelry, 30% off fashion styles, and 25% off engagement, wedding, and anniversary rings. Give a gift that means more without spending more. And celebrate every kiss with K. Select collections, watches, and other exclusions apply. Visit k.com slash Valentine's Day for details.